Father, thank you so much that um, you're here. Lord, thank you that all we have to do is call upon your name, Lord. And as we come to you in your word, we ask that you would speak in a way maybe we haven't heard before, that our hearts would be open in a way they haven't been opened before, that we'd be pierced by your word in a way we haven't been pierced before because we want to be changed and we want to leave here different as a result of meeting with you. So meet with us right now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've kind of been stuck in Mark's gospel, and it's our lectionary reading. It started some weeks ago in the beginning of Mark chapter 1, and, and, and as I read it, and as I pray, and as we're looking at it together, it just seems that within that time, God is speaking something. There's something that, that, that is on my heart that when we look at Mark's gospel, what God is kind of revealing to us through what Mark is describing of what occurred, what happened, what took place. And, and there's a theme for tonight's part of that gospel in Mark chapter 1. And the question that we have to ask is, why do we struggle so much with authority in our lives? Why do we struggle with that? I don't know if you've ever asked that question. A few times I've had to ask that question, and I wasn't very happy of my situation. But why? Why do I struggle? What, what is that thing in my life? For, for some of us, we struggle because we hate to be corrected. We just don't want to be corrected. For others, we just don't want to be told what to do. But there's this tendency to reject that authority that comes into our life in any way that you look at it, in your job, in your workplace, in your family, or whatever is going on in your life, there's someone who has an authority. And somewhere along the way, we've wrestled with what that authority is. For whatever that reason might be, we've wrestled with what that authority is. And the truth is, when we begin to reject authority, what that is is rebellion within us. It's something within us that says that you don't have that authority in my life and, and you, you can't speak that in my life. We begin to push back, regardless of what authority it is that's in us. And rebellion comes easily, but submission takes humility. No one had to teach me how to be rebellious. I've learned that all on my own. It wasn't a class, you know, for, you know, top rebellions of whatever it was. Well, it probably was a class. It was a group you hung out with in high school, and they taught you all you need to know, or in grammar school, and this thing kind of came about. And, but it wasn't like you had to study rebellion. Rebellion just happened. Rebellion was just something that we could begin to do and act out in ways and uh, just kind of hope no one's looking or convince ourselves that, that maybe it's not so bad in the ways that we're acting out and what we're doing. But it's rebellion. It is what it is. And there's consequences when we're rebellious, aren't there? There's going to be a price to pay one way or the other when we begin to act out in a certain way. See, we don't truly understand submission to authority until we're told no and we still obey. That's where that begins to happen when we're showing a submission to an authority. When one with authority over us says no, we don't reject that authority. We begin to say, well, I'm submitting that authority and I begin to obey that God is going to handle this circumstance. And to under, understand authority, it's going to always take humility. That's how we're going to understand because without humility, you're not submitted to any authority. And that we have to practice what that looks like. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he tells us, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God 
that he what? Will exalt you in a due time. See, humility is the key that opens up the door to a transformed life in Christ. That's the key. That's what it takes. And if I don't come from a place of humility, I'm coming from a place of rejecting that authority and I'm, I'm, I'm acting out in that rebellion that that's pushing me further from that relationship of who Christ is versus on the importance of what it says in 1 Peter that I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. And then I allow him to exalt me in that due time. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus gives this command. And this is where we've been in Mark chapter 1. And he says, the time is fulfilled. What? The kingdom of God is at hand. And he says, therefore, repent and believe. That Jesus comes and says, here's, here's the kingdom message that's going out. And there are those who heard the gospel and that responded for the first time in what they heard. And those were the disciples that Jesus assembled for himself, for the greater mission that he was going to accomplish, that he gathered these disciples. And they heard that, but they didn't know the fullness of that story. But there was a response as a result of that proclamation. And that's what's to take place when the gospel is proclaimed. And, and Mark sets it up in a way that we would understand this is the beginning of what's happened, what Jesus has proclaimed, and what Jesus came to do. And that we would understand understand that. And, and it goes on in Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 22. It says, then he went to Capernaum, that immediately following that, immediately following that moment, Jesus begins that greater ministry with the disciples that he gathered to himself. And it says, immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and he taught. Verse 22, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having what, church? An authority, and not as the scribes. Let's just put it this way. His teaching was unbelievable. Unbelievable. He taught as one with an authority, and and. Jesus was this living proclamation of the gospel that he proclaimed it. And now what he's doing is he's proving what he proclaimed. There's evidence in who he is and what he's teaching. And Jesus taught as one with authority, not as the scribes. It was different. See, the truth is the scribes' teaching was uh, one who was a scholar, one who was highly educated, one who had his PhD in theology, one who would teach from a doctrinal understanding and that would begin to impart that to those who gathered within the synagogue. And, and they would go on and they would be quoting scriptures from Leviticus and, uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy and, 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 and they would go on to teach this understanding of the law that they should grab hold of. And often what they would do is they would quote other teachers that have gone before them. Just as so-and-so said. Maybe often how we'll quote someone who's gone on before us, a church father. Someone who stands out that, that we want to remind what they said that brings out this truth. And that's what they would do. That was their teaching. And, and they would teach that importance of the law. The truth was, often it would get boring. That people would lose sight of the message of what was going on. But then here comes Jesus, and he begins to teach. And his teaching was from an inter-divine authority. It was unlike anything that they ever heard before. It was astounding. No scribe, no Pharisee, no one taught the way that he taught. The only way I can compare that a little bit is that when you hear different singing 
and you hear the different ways that people sing and, and as we come together and for some of us we, we need to sing a little quieter. For some of us we like to sing a little louder. And there's different voices that draw your attention when you sing just like different types of singing and, and, and you would hear what we did today as we worshiped the Lord and came together. But if you went to something like an opera, you would hear a voice that was a completely different voice that, that demanded this power and this authority. And it was just unlike the regular singing that you would hear. And here was a way that this teaching that came with such an authority was unlike anything that they'd ever experienced before in their life. It was something that was just astounding within the moment to hear. And, and Jesus was not teaching for God, he was teaching as God. And that was the shift. He wasn't bringing the information, he was the living information that was going forth. And Jesus was teaching this truth, and it was clear that he was teaching as one who had the mind of God. And Jesus, when he taught, it was with a power because he was the authority. And when Jesus teaches, things happen. You read throughout the text, something's going to happen. Jesus is teaching. He's proclaiming the gospel. When the proclamation goes out, something begins to happen. Something begins to stir. And we continue to read in Mark's gospel, chapter 1, and we'll see what the stirring is that begins. In verse 23 through 24, it says, Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have you to do? What have we to do with you? Jesus of Nazareth, did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. It's amazing to read that the first person in the synagogue to recognize Jesus, or the first thing that recognizes Jesus, is an unclean spirit. No one else said anything. They're just probably listening to the teaching. This starts to take place, and there's this oppression over a person that they probably know. They're probably going, what's up with Samuel? What's going on in his life? Why is he confronting the teacher? And we see this taking place, but, but things will happen as a result of it. Jesus taught us that as that truth is proclaimed, as that goes out, that things begin to happen as a result of that proclamation of the truth. And the demon tries to command Jesus by saying, let us alone. And if you notice, it's plural. Whether it was, let all of us alone because we recognize who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And the Holy One of God is the one who has all authority. In other words, we're in trouble. And this shaking begins within that moment. And this confrontation begins. And Jesus is just starting his ministry of what God called him to do. And this is the beginning, and the first to recognize is the unclean spirit that cries out, that identifies exactly who Jesus is in the midst of that crowd. Even though they were amazed by the power in his teaching, they're going to be even greater amazed by the power of his authority to cast them out. This incredible power. And Jesus responds and commands with this authority. And he goes on in verse 25 of Mark 1, and he says, he rebuked him, and he commanded these two things. He said, be quiet and come out of him. Two things. Now, I've shared a story before. Um, growing up, I had one of those praying grandmothers who prayed us all into the kingdom of God. 
And I'm grateful every single day for those praying grandmothers. And I remind the praying moms, the praying grandmoms, praying dads, praying granddads. That stuff works. In case you're wondering if prayer works, it works. And I had that praying grandmother. And she earnestly would pray, earnestly would pray. She'd set me up with a coloring book and I'd go off and she'd give me some supplies and she would hit her knees for hours. I'd have little snacks, coloring book. I'd have all these little things set up as she went and sought the face of God. She's a prayer, powerful, praying woman of God. And her husband, my grandfather Ed, sometimes they would get in these disputes. Sometimes they would get in these disagreements. And sometimes they would get really heightened and he would disagree whatever it was. And my grandmother, when confronted with this, she would look at him and she'd say, be quiet, come out of him. She'd say, get behind me, Satan. Whether he was demon-possessed or not, I don't know, but it worked. That that command, that that authority, that, that within that moment, maybe that's a, a, a good recipe for strengthening our marriage when we have those ridiculous arguments that are going nowhere over the same old thing. One of us is having to shout out, be quiet, come out. Break that tension a little bit of whatever's going on. But he gives these two commands and puts the unclean spirit to stop within its tracks. Can you imagine what took place this was not some ordinary day of gathering in the synagogue. Something was different from the previous week. Something had shifted. Something had changed. All the other days of coming to worship together, none of them were like the day that they experienced within that moment when Jesus was present teaching them. With his authority, by his command of teaching, unlike anyone's ever heard, coming from the mind of God and who was God present in, in that moment teaching them, who, who had the authority to cast out anything that would come against God's plan to advance his kingdom in that moment, to quiet those voices that would try to command those to deter what God had planned for Jesus to do, which his mission to bring that gospel message into the lives of all those that he could reach. And the crowd was in amazement, was in shock of what was taking place. And surely we would be amazed with that same moment of understanding. But maybe we've had that kind of moment within our life where, where we've recognized there was this pushing back against God or there was this our own rebellion in a way that we were rejecting the things that God had. You know, and I can remember even as a, a young boy and growing up in a tradition of faith and, and having that around me and, and really, you know, more understanding the fear of God than the love of God. And... And it was even in those moments I could remember that, that I was choosing to do things in my life and it didn't feel right in the choices I was making. And I couldn't explain it. But I knew something was off. Something was wrong. That somehow there was an authority or something else out there that, that in some way I was, I was pushing against. And I couldn't articulate that, even at a young age. As I got older and began to discover what that was and and, and they were in this amazement by an authority, by what he, he had done. And George Whitfield, who was a preacher, an evangelist in the 18th century, um, who was one of the founders of the Methodist movement, of this revival that started to take place in the 18th century, was asked this question. And um, the question that he was asked is, how do you know when you preached a good sermon? 
And all the pastors in the house want to hear the answer to this. Whitfield replied, that's easy. Either someone got saved or someone got angry. One of two things will happen when the truth is proclaimed. Someone's going to get saved and someone's going to get angry. And that's what was taking place. There was a, a holy disruption happening on earth that is available to us right now that continues to happen if we allow that into our lives, that, that God is not shaken. And that same authority is present now for us to understand what that authority is and, and how we can begin to participate with that authority in our lives. But something was different from that day forward and continues to be different until Jesus comes again. That that description is clear. And what happened was Jesus, he continued to preach that gospel. He continued to preach that truth. And the same holds true for us. How do we respond to that gospel message? Do we accept who Jesus is and obey his authority? Or do we get angry? Do we accept who he is in that proclamation? And whether you're you're, you're hearing that for the first time or whether you're hearing that for the 50th time, whatever that is, how have I accepted what that authority or have I made Jesus' authority in my life in the way I want it to be? But he came in and he proclaimed that truth. And we know when he, when he proclaims truth, truth brings freedom. It sets the captive free. But then we have a decision and how are we going to respond to that? And what I can tell you, for some years in my life, that, that I was angry. I would get angry at some of those things that, that God was, was doing in my life. And, and I was getting angry and frustrated with those things that, that, that I was being confronted with. And I had to realize that God had a greater plan. And that I had to trust the authority of who he was if I was going to make a decision for who he is in my life. And sometimes the authority said no. And I had a choice to make. Reject it or obey it. But I had to trust and I had to learn how do I come to that place of humility? How do I begin to walk in that? And the way that we come to that relationship or that, that renewed relationship that we meet, need with Christ is by finally accepting that authority. And that accepting that authority is saying, Lord, I, I surrender. I surrender. And I believe for every person there comes a moment where you have to surrender that authority, and say, Jesus, I trust you. I need you in my life, Lord. And I've tried to do it my own way, and I couldn't. And you be that authority now in my life. I surrender my life for your greater life, Lord, for your eternal life, your promise. I repent. I turn from those things. I surrender, Lord. Or sometimes, like I did this morning, is I woke up and I asked for a renewed life. Father, just renew me again. Don't let me be distant. Forgive me where I've put other authorities first, where I've rejected your authority within my life. But Jesus came, and when he came and he preached that truth, things began to shake. And those things continue to shake. And we have a decision that we have to make. And I think that some of the struggles and the things that we come against in our life is that we haven't turned over our authority to Jesus. That we take back the authority, and then we try to do it in our own power. And we wind up quickly finding that our power is limited, but his power is unlimited. But I can only have that unlimited power of who he is in my life if he's that authority in my life. And does he have all authority in my life? Am I willing to lay down all things to trust in his authority? 
problem is we begin to pick it up again. I lay, it's kind of like aerobics. I lay it down, I pick it up. I lay it down, I pick it up. We got a decision to make. And we're called to lay that down, to trust in that power of who he is, that divine power of who Christ is, and trusting in his authority, and his authority is perfect. And here's what I can tell you if we can learn anything. The demons were the first to know his authority. They even quaked at his name. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we accept or understand or know that his plan is greater than the plan that we might have put together for ourselves and his authority won't mislead us, but will bring us to the place that, that he's calling us to be and where to go? And, and, and the only way to that is from that early proclamation that Jesus said, that that, that time has come, that the kingdom's at, at hand and we have to repent and believe. And then we turn and we begin to walk under this new authority, his authority in our life. Jesus defines what his authority was in the service that he did. He didn't just say it in words, but he lived it. He offered to others who he was. He offered himself of who he was. And he gave all glory and honor to God in the process of doing that. He offered himself for us as the one with authority. So what we have to do is we have to define who Jesus is in our life. We have to define what that is. And we'll define whether he's our authority or not and how we love others. That'll be evidence of who he is and how we respond to it. Is how do I love someone next to me in my life? And how do I begin to trust that authority? And what I can tell you is in that moment when you make that decision, to allow him to be that authority within your life. You don't ever have to second guess it again. God will not abandon us, that he's for us, that he's leading us, and that our trust and where we go all stems from that one place. Jesus preached that truth and things began to happen. Let that truth come into your life so those things could begin to happen so he can transform you into who he is. Amen? Let's pray. Now there comes a moment for all of us, and, and, and I mentioned that we have to make a decision of what is that authority in my life, and we might have some experiences with that. But we have to, we have to make that decision whether or not he will be that authority. So what does that mean? That means I have to turn and come to that relationship that he invites me into, but I've got to lay down my authority first. And what I want to do right now is just give you a moment, an opportunity, whether you're in person or you're online, if you've made that decision or not for the first time, or maybe a renewed decision right now. And I think for some of us, we're weary and we could use some renewal and Maybe there's areas of our life where there's uncertainty. And, but Jesus gives this promise. It's a proclamation of the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. And to understand that, we have to come to that relationship that he invites us into. So we have to accept it. He doesn't force it. It's by grace through faith that he makes an invitation. But it's not just for this moment. It's an invitation to have an eternal life in a relationship with who he is. 
Now, I don't know where you're at with your heart, and I don't know if you've made that decision. I don't know if you have to renew that decision, but I just want to pray a prayer that you can repeat after me and just say this, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed with me in person or online, the most important thing you can do is let someone else know. You don't want to begin to walk this out alone. We want to walk it out along, along with you. So you can let us know online by um, uh, clicking on a button for our campus and we'll connect with you. If you're here in person, you can let us know on your way out and uh, we'll be able to connect with you and help you on that pathway of discipleship that the Lord's leading you on. Now I want to pray and I want to just take a few minutes now and begin to pray for some things. And if you're joining us online, I would ask that you would pray with us, that, that you would press in, because it doesn't matter where you're placed right now, but we could be of one mind as we come together and press in for prayer. And you could participate uh, by beginning to put prayer requests that you have in the chat of wherever you are on Facebook or on our campus. And we have hosts that will begin to respond with that and capture those prayers. Or for our campus, you could actually quick a click a prayer request and someone will begin to pray with you off the chat for any need that you have. If you're here now in person with me, I'm just going to ask that you close your eyes, that you bring your heart before the Lord. And we begin to pray together. We begin to call out for God to be that authority in our life and for the lives around us. For those who've rejected his authority. For those who've come against that authority. For our own rejection at times. And the first thing that we need to do, even as a people of God, is repent where we've missed God and ask for forgiveness. And then allow Him to meet us in that place. Allow Him to begin to renew us in this very moment. And maybe we need to pray for those who are our siblings or, or family members or or relatives or, or neighbors who, who don't have Jesus as the authority in their life. And we want to take a moment, we want to pray. Lord, for every, every neighbor that we live next to, that you'd give us an opportunity to share that gospel message for our siblings, our parents, our loved ones who don't know that truth. Father, we ask right now that you would begin to minister and, and bring that truth. And whether, if it's not through us, bring others around their life to begin to set them free, Lord, that they can know that truth as well. Father, we pray for our children and our grandchildren, particularly for those kids, Lord, who've walked away from the kingdom. Those who've backslidden right now and just need to be brought back as prodigals, Lord, that they would know they're loved and that they're welcomed and that, Lord, um, uh, that you are with them even now if they don't think you are, that they would find that truth right now and that you would bring home those who would be the prodigals, Lord. Those that we've prayed for day and night, that you would bring them and return them to your kingdom, Lord. Touch their lives right now. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to give you a word of encouragement right now because I think sometimes we, we feel that we've prayed for seasons and for times where um, uh, we figure, what's the point? Why should I keep on praying? And what I can promise you is that God hears your prayers. And God's going to meet you at your point of that prayer need. 
And what I've learned over the years is that the more I pray, the more I change. That God's transforming something in me and he's aligning my life with him in a way that it wasn't aligned before. And he's hearing those prayers. So I want to encourage you right now. If you've just felt you're a person, you're watching, you're here, and you just felt like giving up, don't give up. Don't quit. God's not finished. It might be tough. It might be difficult. You might feel some despair, but God is with you. I think for us, we've listened to other authorities, and it's the voice of the enemy, not the voice of the Lord. And I want to just ask, Lord, right now, for those who've been hearing the voice of the enemy, that you silence that voice by your authority. And Lord, that you let them have ears to hear, receive who you are, Father. And we just pray Lord, where we've pressed in and asked to see your hand move in those lives around us, Lord, uh, bring forth that fruit and let us not be weary in pressing in. Let us not give up, but continue to change us. Continue to transform us. Continue to lead us to you because you, Lord, have all authority. Father, teach us what it means to walk in humility and how to have that spirit that's humble, Lord. And when pride comes in, we ask, Lord, that you would bring us back to that place of humility because it's out of that place that we're exalted. So teach us how to walk in that humility that you call us to. Teach us how to obey the things that you're calling us to do. Father, where our faith is weak, I pray that a fresh wind would blow and that you would increase our faith this very moment. Father, for those who are struggling financially right now, that they won't give up, but they'll just walk in that faith that you've given them. And know that you are their provider. Father, those who are feeling weak right now, that, Lord, they would be refreshed by the power of your Spirit. Father, for those who don't know your Spirit, would receive the power of your Spirit in their life right now. And now what I want you to do is, if you're, you're, you're pressing into God, I want you to ask, say, Lord, send the power of your Spirit in my life in a new way. You ask Him, you dare to pray. And then watch the things he begins to do as you are made alive in him. Come, Lord. We need a fresh wind and a move of your spirit. And Lord, if we're ever going to see revival within our land, it begins renewal within your church. So renew your church, Lord. Bring that renewal within your, your clergy and your leadership and your people, Father. Renew a spirit within us. And bring forth a greater revival that we would see around us. Your hand moving in power and strength, we pray, Lord Jesus. Father, we want to pray right now for those just that need warfare, for addiction and life-controlling problems, Lord. Those who are bound by those things, they've heard the voice of the enemy. We bind the voice of the enemy and say, set the captives free right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for those who are dealing with depression, mental illness, for anxiety, for fear. Lord, set them free right now, we pray, Lord Jesus. Send your spirit and set them free right now. Lift that heaviness, that weariness. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray for those who are lonely and feeling isolated and Lord, those who've 
felt trapped over these last 10 months and couldn't leave the home. And Father, we pray that they would be comforted by the only the comfort that you could give right now in Jesus' name. Bring that comfort now, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray for our families, for households, for those struggling right now, for our children, as they're, whether they're remote or if they're getting back to school, that, Lord, they wouldn't be weary right now, that you would strengthen the family, Lord, that you would bring forth that leadership in the household, Lord, that you would call forth the men to rise up and be strong in their faith and to own, Lord, that relationship of who you are and to lead their families with courage, Lord, we pray. Father, we want to pray for our county, for Nassau, for Suffolk, for New York City, the greater New York area, for the five boroughs. And Lord, we ask that your blessing would be upon our city this night. That Lord, that you would begin to bring forth a great shaking within our city. And Lord, that within that shaking, you would sift out those things that have kept us from walking in the blessings that you have or kept us from, Lord, asking you to come into every area, into every place. So, Lord, we just speak a blessing now to come, Lord Jesus. Come upon our communities. Come upon our towns and our villages. Lord, come upon our homes and lead us and strengthen our relationship with you. Lord, we declare that you have all authority over this place, over our life, over Nassau County, over Suffolk County, over the greater New York area. Jesus, you are the authority and you have all authority. We push back every scheme of the enemy in Jesus' name. And we ask, Lord, that you would just awaken in us a joy and a strength and a fresh renewal in our relationship with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to encourage you, if you have any prayer requests and you're watching right now, you can go to our website, intercessorchurch.com. You could send in those prayer requests and we'll commit to praying that for you. If you're still online right now, you can let us know, let the hosts know, and we'll continue to intercede on your behalf and pray with you for whatever that need might be. Amen.